Welcome to the newest episode of the Her Historically Podcast. And today I am so excited to be talking about a woman who has roots in Puerto Rico because y'all know that is my heritage, that's my culture. And so I was really excited to research this episode and learn more about this woman. I had never heard of her because I don't know a lot about Puerto Rican history and the women of Puerto Rico. And so that is why today I'm talking about Julia de Burgos, who was a celebrated Puerto Rican poet, an advocate of Puerto Rican independence, and a civil rights activist for women and Afro-Caribbean writers. I'm actually really excited to dive into Julia's story because where she grew up and where she's from is where my own family's from. And so it just makes me feel much more connected to my culture and my people. So let's talk about her. Julia de Burgos was born as Julia Constancia Burgos Garcia on February 17, 1914. She was born in the Barrio Santa Cruz of Carolina to Francisco Burgos Hans, who was a farmer, and Paula Garcia de Burgos. Her father was a member of the Puerto Rican National Guard, and he had a farm near the town of Carolina where she was born. She definitely came from a family of humble means. She was the eldest of 13 children, and unfortunately, six of her younger siblings did pass away because of malnutrition. Her early experiences in Carolina and her native heritage deeply influenced her work. Despite all of these economic hardships that she faced growing up, Julia was a brilliant student. She graduated from Munez Rivera Primary School in 1928, and her family actually moved to Ria Piedras when she was awarded a scholarship to attend University High School. In 1931, she enrolled in the University of Puerto Rico, Rio Piedras campus, to become a teacher. And I don't know if you've noticed from some of my past episodes, but if you haven't picked up on it, really teacher was like the only job that women seemed to be able to get in the 20s, 30s, 40s. And so that's what she was trying to be. In 1933, she graduated at the age of only 19 from the University of Puerto Rico with a degree in teaching. She became a teacher and she taught at Fierro Elementary School in Barrio Cierro Arriba of Naranjito, Puerto Rico. She also worked as a writer for children's programs on public radio, but was reportedly fired for her political beliefs because she had some strong ones. In 1934, Julia married Ruben Rodriguez Bookchamp and ended her teaching career. In 1936, she became a member of the Puerto Rican Nationalist Party, which was led at the time by Pedro Albruzo Campos. Just a little bit of history about the Puerto Rican Nationalist Party. It was founded in 1922 by Jose Col Icuchi, and it sought Puerto Ricans' independence from the United States. And if you are unfamiliar with how Puerto Rico is set up, essentially it is a territory of the U.S. It does have its own government and it has a person that sits in Congress, but they have zero voting rights. Um, Their vote doesn't actually count for anything. We can vote for president, which doesn't really count. Um, And so even as far back as the early 1920s, people were fighting for Puerto Rico to be its own independent country. There's still a lot in Puerto Rico today about whether Puerto Rico should be its own country or if it should be the 51st state. But in any event, Julia joined the party during a time of very heightened political activity and her poems from this period often reflected a passionate commitment to the cause of Puerto Rican independence. 
within the Puerto Rican Nationalist Party. She was elected to the position of Secretary General of the Daughters of Freedom. The Daughters of Freedom played an instrumental role in organizing protests, rallies, and other activities to garner support for Puerto Rico's independence. Although she wasn't directly involved in the 1937 Ponce Massacre, it was a pivotal event for Puerto Rican Nationalist Party and had a profound effect on the Puerto Rican independence movement. The Ponce Massacre occurred when police opened fire on Nationalist Party members and bystanders during a march in Ponce, which led to the death of many innocent people. And such incidents intensified the resolve of activists like Julia to continue their work in fighting for Puerto Rican independence. While Julia was a part of the Puerto Rican Nationalist Party, of course, Alves Campos was the most notable leader at the time, and he had a significant influence on Julia. Under his leadership, the party's activities and its calls for independence gained a lot of momentum. And her association with that party during the time further cemented her commitment to the cause. It would be in 1937, though, that she would divorce her first husband. Now, Holy, of course, is best known for her writing. She began writing poems at an early age. Her poetry often touched on themes like love, feminism, and Puerto Rican nationalism. In her first book, Poema de Vientes Sorcos, which means poem in 25 furrows, was published in 1938. She actually would go on to publish three books, her first two books while she was alive and the third one close to her death. But for those first two books, she would travel around the island promoting herself by giving book readings. Her lyrical poems are said to be a combination of the intimate, the land, and the social struggle of the oppressed. Critics assert that her poetry anticipated the work of feminist writers and poets, as well as that of other Hispanic authors. In one of her poems, she writes, quote, I am life, strength, woman. Her poems from the period when she was involved in the Puerto Rican Nationalist Party, like I mentioned earlier, often touched upon themes of national identity, colonial oppression, and a deep love for Puerto Rico. And if there's one thing that I can appreciate about Julia is her love for Puerto Rico, because although I was not born on the island, I love it so much. Her poetry would become a tool for her activism, and she utilized her words to express the socio-political sentiments of her time. Her most famous poem, titled Rio Grande de Luisa, reflects her love for Puerto Rico and her identity. Her poetry is characterized by a passionate intensity and this deep sense of personal and national identity, and she explores her dual identities both as a woman and as a Puerto Rican. This duality is evident in one of her most renowned poems, Yo Mismo Fue Mi Ruta, which means I Was My Own Path, where she discusses this self-discovery and autonomy. She would receive awards and recognition for her work and was celebrated by poets, including Pablo Neruda, whom she met in Cuba, and who stated that her calling was to be one of the greatest poets of the Americas. Later in life, Julia will become romantically involved with Dr. Juan Isrido Jimenez Gurrion, a Dominican physician. According to him, many of her poems during that time were inspired by the love that she felt for him, although that's his perspective, not hers. In 1939, Julia and Dr. Juan would travel first to Cuba, where she attended briefly the University of Havana, and then they would later go to New York City, where she worked as a journalist for Pueblas Hispanos, a progressive newspaper. 
Shortly after they arrived in Cuba, however, her relationship started to show some tension. And after trying to save it, she would instead leave and return back again to New York. But this time she would go alone. She took menial jobs to support herself. And after moving back to the city, her activism would take a different tone. She did remain very committed to the cause of Puerto Rican independence, but she also became more involved with issues faced by Puerto Rican migrants in the U.S., such as racial discrimination, economic challenges, and cultural identity. In 1943, she married Armando Meran, who was a musician from Vieques, but in 1947, that marriage would also end in divorce. Because of these economic struggles and personal demons that she had, she would eventually fall into a state of depression and she would battle alcoholism. She faced many challenges of Puerto Rican migrants at the time and also endured the emotional stress of being away from her homeland. Even despite those challenges, she continued to write and she was involved in the city's vibrant Hispanic cultural scene and became part of the Harlem Renaissance movement and was acquainted with many Afro-Caribbean artists, writers, and activists. Her challenges, both personally and as an immigrant to the U.S., are mirrored in her work from this period. In February of 1953, she wrote one of her last poems, Farewell in Welfare Island. It was written during her last hospitalization and is believed to be one of the only poems she would write in English. In the poem, she foreshadows her death and reveals an even darker concept of life. On June 28, 1953, Julia left the home of a relative in Brooklyn where she had been living and she disappeared without leaving a clue as to where she went. It was later discovered that on July 6, 1953, she had collapsed on a sidewalk in Spanish Harlem, and she would later die of pneumonia in a hospital in Harlem at the age of 39. She was initially buried in Hart Island, which is the city's only potter's field, because she was not identified at the time of her death. But eventually, some of her friends and relatives were able to trace her, and they found her grave and claimed her body. A committee that was organized in Puerto Rico and presided over by Dr. Margot Arstevacuas petitioned to have her remains transferred to the island. Her body would arrive on September 6, 1953, and funeral services were held at the Puerto Rican Anthem. She was given a hero's burial at the Municipal Ceremony of Carolina, and a monument was later built at her burial site by the city of Carolina. Beyond her poetry, Julia left behind a legacy of activism and commitment to social causes. In 1986, the year I was born, the Spanish Department of the University of Puerto Rico posthumously honored Julia by granting her a doctorate in human arts and letters. Her poems are not only taught in literature courses, but have also been cited in political and cultural discussions about Puerto Rico's identity and status. Street schools and cultural centers in both Puerto Rico, New York, and other places have been named in her honor. Her work has become a staple of Puerto Rican literature. In 2011, she was inducted into the New York Writers Hall of Fame, and she's revered for her profound contributions to modern Latin American poetry and her staunch advocacy for women's rights and Puerto Rican independence. She inspired generations of Latin writers and artists, not only in Puerto Rico, but also throughout Latin America and the U.S. She's often compared to other prominent Latin American poets like Gabriela Mistrel 
and Alfonsina Storni due to her profound exploration of femininity and her powerful voice against oppression. She remains a figure of immense importance to the world of literature and beyond. And her work continues to resonate because of its timeless themes and the raw emotion with which she wrote. I was so excited to learn about such a powerful woman who comes from the island that my family calls home. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I don't know much about Puerto Rico and its history or the women and men who fought for its independence and continue to fight for its independence. But I was excited to learn about Julia, who fought for both Puerto Ricans on the island and here in the States. I can't really read poetry in Spanish, but learning more about her has made me want to pick up one of her books and try my hardest to actually read Spanish poetry. If you've never heard of Julia de Burgos, then her story is definitely one you should know. So on a Historically podcast first, after I finished this episode, I actually went back and did a little bit more research about Julia de Burgos because one of the things that stuck out to me was that she was this advocate for Afro-Caribbean people. And from what I initially found, I couldn't really figure out why. Now, if you don't know a little bit about the history of Puerto Ricans, we are a mixture of people. Of course, we were colonized by the Spaniards. We have indigenous Puerto Ricos that are called Tainos. And then the Spaniards, of course, brought slaves. So we do have a big African population in Puerto Rico. We are influenced by a lot of African culture and customs. And if you've seen Puerto Ricans, we come in a shade, a range of colors. And so I was curious if Julia was actually an Afro-Latina and whether or not that had anything to do with why she advocated for Afro-Caribbeans and why that was important to her. And so I did a little bit of research after the show that I wanted to include here. Essentially, her heritage is pretty much unknown because there has been whitening of her image. Africa isn't a persistent strand that runs through her poems, and she abstained from this overt black consciousness in anything that she wrote. While she does have clear anti-imperialistic and anti-colonialism in her language of her poems, it's not really a pro-black stance. But unlike some Puerto Ricans during her time, especially for the light-skinned brown ones, she did not seem to reject her African lineage. In a poem titled Ay 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 de la Grifa Negra, she asserts her race a bit in somewhat complicated ways. Her contemporaries, including poet Clemente Soto Velez, described her as, quote, cinnamon-colored and tragiana, which is Puerto Rican slang for a fair-skinned black person. And the U.S. Census actually labeled her mother, all of her maternal aunts and uncles, and grandparents as mulatto, showing that she did have this mixed heritage. When she was in New York, she did express solidarity with what was going on in Harlem while she was a journalist writing for the Spanish language Socialist Weekly Pueblos Españas. And she participated in many cultural, literary, and political events that affirmed her support for social justice in Puerto Rico, Cuba, D.C., and in New York City. The hospital that she died in was actually a hospital in Harlem. And so I wanted to make sure I included this in the end of the show, even though it wasn't in the episode itself, because I do think it's important to recognize the history of Puerto Ricans and that while some of us are fair skinned and some of us are black, we do have a vibrant past that shapes who we are. 
Afro-Latinos and Afro-Latinas don't get their stories told too often. And so I wanted to make sure I included that she probably was an Afro-Latina. And just through history, we don't know whether or not she considered herself as such or whether the world looked at her that way. So I hope you find this little bit of added context about her life helpful. Thank you for joining me on an incredible journey through history with today's story. If you want to take a deeper dive into any of the women that I talk about on the podcast, you can visit historicallypodcast.com. There you can find additional resources and you can also let me know about women you want to hear about on the show. Make sure you subscribe to stay updated on future episodes and don't forget to leave a review and let me know how I'm doing. Thank you for being part of today's historical journey. And until next time, remember that her story is one you should know.